Everybody, welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football 101. I'm your host, Jake Rip, and you are listening to the 101 of Fantasy Football Podcasts. Joining us, as always, they are the best co hosts a guy could ask for the brothers of destruction, D Hall and Nate Hall. What's going on, guys? Not much, man. How are you, Jake? Another week coming up of some fantasy football. We got a little. We got a little bit of craziness to talk about. But uh, are you ready for Thursday night football, boys? Oh, oh let's go! I am so pumped to watch Adam Gase get fired. How? What's the over under hours? If they lose this game, what's the over under on how long it takes for Gase to get fired? One day? Well, Dan Quinn is still hanging on by a thread, so I really don't even know at this point. So I guess we'll have to we'll have to hang on and see what happens. I, to answer your question, Nate, I definitely don't think he makes it to Sunday. I think it happens probably the morning after. Hopefully. So the three guys we have in the stardom section today, these are going to be deep stardoms. They're not going to be your your Melvin Gordons, your Juju Smith-Schusters. You know you're putting these guys in your lineup. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to get kicked off with Latavius Murray of the New Orleans Saints. Feel free to jump in whenever if you disagree, but I think you can start him at least as a flex this week against Detroit. He's not a sexy play by any means. No one's excited to start the secondary running back option in any backfield with maybe the exception of uh, Cleveland and Kareem Hunt. But if you're an injury-riddled team or for some reason you're scrambling around and you need to find a flex, I think you could do a lot worse than Latavius Murray against the Lions. Basically, my thought process with getting him in as a starter is, is mostly based around Michael Thomas coming back to the Saints lineup. So now what I'm picturing is the Saints pretty much mowing over the Detroit Lions in this game. I picture them going ahead by lot, not being a competitive game like we saw with New Orleans and Green Bay. I think they handle Detroit rather easily. They go up by a lot, and after halftime, you start to see Latavius Murray get more and more carries. He's seen 12-plus carries in two out of his three games. Do you guys think he's going to get the volume needed to be a flex player in week four, or am I just reaching too far at this point? I, I like your reach. I, I don't think it's a horrible take. Um, I definitely could see the upside. I think you really need him to fall into a touchdown to kind of return that value that you want. Personally, I would make a pivot if I had to. I'd grab someone off waiver wire. I think uh, you could probably go with the goat head. And maybe get a better, more upside there out of off the waiver wire. Or someone like, you know, maybe Deion Lewis has a decent game against a better matchup. So I don't mind it. Um, I just think there are decent options out there which you could look at. The Lions have given up the third most points to running backs over the first three weeks. Any interest in plugging in Latavius Murray this week? I think there's definitely some flex appeal uh, to that, Jake. With all the, you know, what we're talking about here is we're thinking Alvin Kamara is going to kind of work out of the backfield. Kamara right now is basically just a or a wide receiver out of the running back position. They're getting him in open space. They're getting him the ball and letting him take off. Uh, with all that being said, you know, I think that he is a flex-worthy player, but he's also touchdown dependent. If he gets a touchdown, you're happy because he's going to get 60 yards. 
He's pretty much got that every game. If he gets 60 yards and a touchdown, great. That's perfect for your flex. I feel I, like with, with the game script and against this bad defense, and like I said, I do anticipate him taking more carries in the second half. I think he gets 15 carries this game. That's a little bold for me. I would say 10. I would say 10 is his max, honestly. All right, well, that's enough on Latavius Murray. That's going to be the last backup running back we talk about for stardom. I just had to get that one out there. Is it? I don't feel so hot about this take, though. I'm kind of confident with Alan Lazard against Atlanta. We already talked about Alan Lazard as a potential waiver pickup earlier this week. And Donnie, you were optimistic about Alan Lazard in the sense that he's going to be a part of the Aaron Rodgers Revenge Tour 2020. I think Lazard continues his hot streak on Sunday against Atlanta, and Atlanta's defense has unsurprisingly allowed the third most fantasy points to receivers through the first three weeks. Even if Devontae Adams is active in this game, I I think I'm still comfortable rolling out Lazard. If Adams is out, then I think Lazard is a must-start, and you have to find some way to get him into your lineup. What do you guys think about Alan Lazard against the Falcons? I think that's a great call, Jake. I think he's definitely... A, a great start, especially, uh, you know, you look at the Falcons defense. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> they literally can't stop anyone. They're the worst defense in the league, especially against well, the pass. second half, second half. They're decent in the first half. Give them credit for that, I guess. He's like that, he's like that dude. I'm not going to lie. They had, they had us in the first half. They had us in the first, half. In the first half. <laughs> we should just nickname that. They had yeah. us in the first half. That's going to be the new uh, team yeah. name for the Falcons. Lovely. But, yep. uh, so what I was saying is the the team – uh, their defense is absolutely atrocious, especially against the pass. Uh, why can't we see Alan Lazard put up big numbers? Aaron Rodgers is slinging it all over the field. The way to beat this team is to run up the score and just beat them uh, through the air. We know Adams is going to get his. If he plays this week, he's probably in the conversation for wide receiver one overall. Any, so, any week he's active, he's in that conversation. Especially this week more than anything. If he's active this week, I'm smashing him in DFS, absolutely. But we're talking Lazard here. And I think Lazard is a sneaky play in DFS as well. I think he's a top 36 receiver this week. And I think he easily is a RB, or I'm sorry, a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. I'm going to name a few players. I'm curious if you guys would start them over Alan Lazard this week. I'm going to start with T.Y. Hilton at Chicago. Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. Robbie Anderson versus Arizona? Robbie Anderson. Probably go Lazard still on that. How about Julian Edelman at Kansas City? Julian Edelman. Julian but that, Edelman. It, that one's close to me. Okay, right on. So I got kind of a gauge of where we're at on Lazard. Anything else you want to add to uh, Alan Lazard before we move on to guy number three? Nope. No, I think that's pretty good. I think Donnie covered it. All right, our number three stardom this week. David Montgomery. We told you last week to sit David Montgomery against Atlanta, and we came through, as we always do, 6.4 fantasy points. You're welcome from Fantasy Football 101. I'm telling you now, he is going to redeem himself against the Indianapolis Colts, and he's going to find himself on, man, I'm glad I called that guy next week. There's nothing particularly great about the matchup against the Colts. They've given up the 27th most fantasy points to running backs. But Cohen went down last week, tore his ACL, and is done for the season. Uh, next man up on the depth chart is Ryan Nall, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Ryan Nall. Uh, and I don't anticipate him getting more than five carries a game, really, in the Chicago Bears offense. Montgomery was already averaging about 15 carries per game with Cohen active. And I think it's fair to assume he starts to see some of that receiving work that uh, Cohen is known to, to get in that offense. 
Uh, but with this Cohen injury, how much does that move the needle for you guys with Montgomery? Or is it really that much of an improvement at all from a season-long standpoint, Donnie? I think that it definitely moves the needle a little bit. You know, the Bears, they actually just gave Montgomery – or I'm sorry, they gave Tariq Cohen an extension in the offseason. So, you know, they were committed to using him in the passing game. You know, with Foles coming in, Foles definitely looked a little bit better than Trubisky last week, and we had that argument already earlier this week. Uh, but with that, all that, you know, w- what we got going on here is, you know, you take away the passing options with Tariq Cohen, Montgomery co- becomes a three-down running back. And there's not many of those that we could talk about in this league today. But literally maybe five to ten guys, and now he's one of them. I think that David Montgomery is, you know, I think he's locked in as a top 20 running back for the rest of the season. And I think that, you know, he's very solid and he's going to get a ton of volume. Uh, Real quick, Nate, I want to ask you direct, how much do you think it impacts Montgomery to be the workhorse in an offense led by an all pro quarterback? (laughs) That was a horrible setup because, you know, I would bash Nick Foles in this take. First of all. All right. But I'm going to give you uh, an actual honest answer here. I, I, I mean, we, we had this argument about Nick Foles. I don't think that offense is going to be any better with Foles over Trubisky, so I don't need to go down that path. But I do want to bring up something that you guys, I think, were failing to look at, and it pretty much comes with watching that game, is that Cohen role got filled quickly by Cordell Patterson, and he was taking those those uh, targets out of the backfield, and they, they were starting to slot him in the stuff that you would typically see Cohen get. So I don't think we're looking – I think the needle stays the same on Montgomery. I still think he's a decent flex play and definitely a, a good look for this week against the uh, uh, Indianapolis Colts. But I, I just think you guys are failing to look at Patterson coming in and taking a little bit away. Yeah, Nate, you make a great point. Now that I'm looking, he was actually involved in the in the rushing game even before Cohen went down. Four attempts in week <laughs> one, uh, seven attempts in week two, and then another four attempts against Atlanta in week three. So that definitely makes sense. So I could see from that standpoint, the needle may be staying kind of the same for yeah. uh, for David Montgomery. Maybe a low-end RB2. Could get a couple touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to sit And I'm going to get started with Mark Ingram at the... Hold on, I want to throw one more stardom in there, Jake, if I may. Get in there. Who are we starting, Donnie? Starting smoking Joe Burrow this oh. week. Oh, to me, he's a top 12 play all day long. He's a great stream option this week. You're talking about he's going against a team in Jacksonville that got absolutely shredded last week against Ryan Fitz Magic, or as I like to call it, Fitz Tragic, because you know it's coming at some point. So no. <laughs> uh, tell him, Nate. So, you know, with all the weapons, we look at the emergence of T. Higgins, who literally looks like a younger AJ Green from when he started. He looks fantastic. They, they, they're so loaded on offense that they had to sit a top 10 pick in John Ross. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are currently number one in pass plays per game, just under 52. Joe Burrow is number two in the league among quarterbacks in attempts with 141, number three in red zone attempts with 23. In fantasy points per game among quarterbacks, he's number nine. We have to actually start talking about Joe Burrow as like a weekly low-end quarterback one. Uh, any disagreements? No, I mean, if he's throwing the ball that much behind that offensive line, he's going to have to sling it, and their defense sucks. So he's not going to win many games, but he's in that uh, negative game script a lot. Hopefully he stays healthy. 
He's I mean, a, he's taking hits so hard. Yeah, he is. And, and he's a poor man's uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, there's weapons all over the field for him. The defense is absolutely terrible. He's in keep-up mode a lot. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's a good situation for him. And, you know, granted, he's probably the best quarterback they've had. You know, he's way better than Andy Dalton. Uh, and he's just, you know, he's in his first season. So I think that the future looks very bright for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. But I, I definitely think he's a smash spot this week against Jacksonville. Donnie, do I have your permission to move on to sit him? Yes. Our first guy that we're sitting in week four, Mark Ingram at the Washington football team. Mark Ingram has been nothing short of disappointing this season. Donnie, you know, is a Mark Ingram owner in our league. Averaging around nine nine carries per game through the first three weeks, two receptions over three games. The truth is, uh, you know, just like who we were talking about earlier, where if you know you need him to fall into the end zone for to be actually happy with his fantasy performance. Lat Murray, Lat Murray, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, he needs to get that touchdown for it to actually pay off to to set him up in your flex. Uh, but I'm not one to bet which person it is in the Ravens' backfield is going to get that touchdown on any given week. I don't know if it's going to be Dobbins or Ingram or Gus Edwards, who should really be starting, I think, for an NFL team. Gus Edwards is good, man. You know, If it was me, if I was running the Ravens, I think my best player out of that back right now, out of that backfield right now is Gus Edwards. He looks fantastic. Uh, when you're talking about Mark Ingram, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole putting in my starting lineup right now you're literally just asking for trouble all i've heard from people that are still you know kind of on mark ingram's side is excuses oh well they blew out the, the browns they're not very good team so they didn't really need them so they ran dobbins oh well this week they're playing the chiefs it's a highly contested game they're going to need him well they got blown out so now they're going to run guess edwards and uh jk dobbins got a lot of snaps it's just a it's just a mess Right now, they've be coming off the best rushing offense in the league last year, but I don't think you could start anyone in the running back position for the Ravens. You either need an injury or someone to really break out, and I think that guy, if I had to put my money on it, it would probably be J.K. Dobbins by the end of the year. How crazy is that, that in a, a rushing powerhouse offense like Baltimore that they're almost none of them are fantasy relevant, or they will be on any given week. You just don't know when. Yep. Um, Nate, if you have Ingram, what is the rest of – season plan with this guy do you try to move him because i can't imagine you get much uh i mean you can try but yeah you're 100 correct nobody everybody's watching the ravens they're in a lot of primetime games yep. and they're watching him get like what is it like 30 percent of I'm, i don't know what the snap count is but i want to say they're it's pretty 30%. much splitting it three ways nate so yeah it's like 30 yeah. percent a piece i i had mark ingram all last year and he was a great value last year because he got those precious red zone touches that they were constantly in with that gone you don't, you don't want him there, man. Let's move, let's move on to our next guy that we're sitting in week four, Joshua Kelly against Tampa Bay. It feels like we were just talking about the emergence of this guy as one of the next waiver wire darlings. And now after what we saw last week, I think I'm already set to pull the cord on the Kelly experiment. Like, I, I know it might seem a little premature given it's just been like one week of getting game scripted out. But I just don't have the confidence knowing that if they face a negative game script, which they're going to see plenty, I'm going to get stuck with what you saw last week and see something like eight attempts for 40 yards and four fantasy points. This week, they play Tampa Bay, where even with Chris Godwin out of the lineup, I think Tampa Bay whoops on Los Angeles and it's, he's going to get game scripted out again. I think it's going to be a roller coaster like that for Josh Kelly until the team gets ahead by a bunch and then you see him get 20 plus carries. 
Nate, what's the floor for Josh Kelly this week against Tampa Bay? And what is the ceiling for Josh Kelly? Uh, floor, I'd say probably has about, uh, I'm going to say like eight carries, uh, probably 30, 40 yards. Probably has a probably has a dump catch in there. So I'd say two targets, one catch, 12 yards. It's not high at all. Ceiling is definitely at least a, it's like a 16 carry type game, probably 80 yards and a touchdown is what I'd give a ceiling. Um, my opinion on Josh Kelly is he's a stash, 100%. Everyone was um, wanting to play him last week because of what happened in week two. Everyone was had to, like we lost a ton of guys due to injury. So that waiver wire was massive. And everyone was uh, all up in arms just because of recency bias and having to find someone to start. And now after watching it, everyone's like, oh, maybe we like should have calmed down. So I think he's definitely a stash. He can still come to form in that offense. Definitely. He's a rookie. So give him some time. Donnie, do your opinions differ on Josh Kelly? Do you, I mean, what are you doing with him if he's on your roster rest of the season? I think Nate said it best. I think he's in the same kind of conversation as Lat Murray. A really, really good handcuff. Someone that you can start in, in a flex position in a week where you're, you know, you're pin, in a pinch, and and also a situation where, same with if Alvin Kamara was to go down, Latin Murray would be instantly a top ten running back. Where if you know Austin Eckler were just was to go down, which we know Austin Eckler has had injury problems in the past, Josh Kelly would immediately be. Uh, if not an RB1, a high, high-end RB2 based off usage. So I think Josh Kelly is a perfect uh, – what Nate said is perfect. That He's a great stash. You keep him there. And then in plus matchups, you know, where you think the Chargers are going to be favored a lot, you throw him in there as a flex. The last guy we have in our sit for week four, we're going to go to the tight end position and talk about Hayden Hurst against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think this is the Monday night game for next week uh, – for this week, but – you can add this guy to my list of offseason misses because I was all in on Hayden Hurst. I thought he was going to step right into the offense and just instantly fill the shoes of Austin Hooper. You know, Austin Hooper through the first 10 weeks last season, I'm pretty sure he was the tight end one over that period of time. And I thought, you know, even if Hayden Hurst gets a fraction of that, he's going to be extremely valuable for fantasy purposes. Uh, he had a nice 16 point game in week two against Dallas, but he combined for just four receptions. 39 yards and a touchdown in weeks one and three. I had him pegged as a top 10 tight end prior to the start of the season. Uh, so I'm curious if you guys still think that that's in his range of outcomes the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, you could stash him and hope he pops tight ends, a tricky position. So like go pick up Mo Ali Cox starting for this week. And then if Hayden Hurst pops either against green Bay or the next couple weeks, I, he's definitely a stash. That, that's all I really have to say about him. Donnie, can he find his way into the top 10 tight ends this season? Absolutely. You look at uh, the, the uh, you know, I'm all in on Atlanta this year, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously not as a team. We, we don't got to go into that, Jake. We not berated girly. you enough. Thanks. Uh, no, Nate. Yeah, I agree. Not early. But, You're you all know. in on one guy, Donnie. What are you? No, I'm not. I'm, I love Julio this year still and Ridley. And I like I've liked Hurst, but he went too early for me in drafts. I do, and I love Matt Ryan. I was gonna I, say, how can you like all these guys without shouting out Matty Ice? Oh no, Matt yeah, Ryan. Right. Matt Ryan's a top eight, top eight, possibly top five quarterback this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love what they're doing on offense, but that being said, they're so terrible on defense, it doesn't matter. So what I'm saying on Hayden Hurst, I think he's a fine stash. I don't think that you can get rid of him because he's gonna get picked up so quick. Once they figure it out. And he starts producing consistently. 
whoever your tight end one is, you trade him and you roll with Hayden Hurst because the guy that is your tight end one, say you have a situation where you have a Zach Ertz and a Hayden Hurst and Hayden Hurst starts figuring it out and figuring it out. You could trade Zach Ertz for much, much more value than you have with Hayden Hurst. I think he's a fine stash. You hang on to him. You definitely don't drop him. They'll figure it out eventually. Matty Ice is known to go to his tight ends over the years. So just give it time. Let it breathe. It'll figure itself out. All right. So we're starting Latavius Murray. I'm starting Latavius Murray. <laughs> Latavius Murray, Alan Lazard, and David Montgomery. Sitting Mark Ingram, Joshua Kelly, and Hayden Hurst. And Nick Foles. Yeah, we're starting to pull everywhere you got them. Everywhere you got them. Get them in those lineups. All right, so let's move on. We have a new segment we're going to do to wrap up the shows on uh, whenever this drops Thursday, I'd imagine. New segment, courtesy of our own Nate Hall. This is going to be shaking in my boots. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. Where Nate's going to tell us, or rather, both of you guys are going to tell us how worried you are about a certain player. I'm going to give you a guy, and I want you to tell me what do you think? We'll do like a scale of one to 10 just to kind of gauge how worried you are about each player. Uh, yeah, we'll, okay. Yep. 10 being you are fully prepared to drop this guy. One mm-hmm. being it's cool. Hell, I'll start him this week. Yep. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to get started with Melvin Gordon. He has seen just around 70 rush yards in each of his first two games, or that might've been each of his last two games. I don't know. I, I have type of same thing. It's okay. But you know, the the theme of this show, I feel like you need to have the touchdown in that situation for for the fantasy owner to be happy. If you're only putting up 70 yards and you're only catching a couple balls. Uh, last week, he only went eight attempts for 26 yards. And I don't know how he dodged the you blew it segment this week. But <laughs> only 5.8 fantasy points and half PPR for Melvin Gordon. Uh, while I'm not so concerned about the bad week, the thought of Philip Lindsay coming back to this offense is at least intriguing to me because... I don't think Lindsey sucks. I think he's actually kind of talented as a running back, though he doesn't have that prototypical look of a running back. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Lindsey is currently questionable for Thursday night football. How do you guys think that this backfield shakes out once Philip Lindsey returns and it's not just Melvin Gordon getting the carries for Denver? So my worry level for Melvin Gordon, it's not super high. Oh, I should have I, asked I, you. Worry, worry meter. Give me right. My worry meter. Oh, only a, only I'm only worried of four. Um, the, the main reason I think this is a good guy to talk about is because of the change of quarterback. And if that offense is going to move as much as it would have with Drew Locke, we saw it, we saw him get eight for 26, you said on week three with no Drew Locke in the lineup. And now they just dropped down another level down to their third string quarterback. So it's quite possible this whole offense takes a step down. So I'm worried. I'm, I'm a level four. But uh, but I'm not I'm not pushing the you know the the drop him button yet. Donnie worry meter one through ten. He's a five for me. I'm a little bit higher than Nate because you talk about the fact of Felt Lindsay coming back, and, and also we don't know when Drew Locke's coming back yet either. Uh, this team is kind of in shambles uh, on the offensive side of the ball. They really you know they have no sense of direction. They're playing decent defense, but Drew Locke I think is a lot better than people. You know, really think that he's he was a I was really high on him personally coming into the year with guys like Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Uh, I think the teams right now are going to key in on that run 
and they're just going to stop Melvin Gordon because he's really their only true offensive player they have right now. I mean, hell, they got a guy named Rippin starting starting this week. Going to rip into him. Yeah, so you got to be you got to be somewhat concerned with Melvin Gordon. That being said, he's playing the Jets this week, so he can right, definitely so we'll see all of it. So he can smash this week. So if he smashes and someone wants to pay you RB2 value or high-end RB2 value, make that trade. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I'd call it a five myself on the worry meter with Melvin Gordon. You know, he's still going to be the guy in this backfield, but it is a really, really bad offense, one of the worst in the league. Uh, He's going to have competition now in the backfield, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to score touchdowns. And, you know, what did you expect when you drafted Melvin Gordon? You didn't expect to get RB1 numbers. You knew this was coming. So uh, all that being said, I think at four to five, that seems about right for Melvin Gordon. Yep. Let's move on to our second guy here, David Johnson. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. Nate, you're a DJ owner, and I know you're shaking in your boots, right? I am shaking in my boots. (laughs) One. Level one on David Johnson. Okay, all right, all right. All all seriousness, I'm I'm really only worried on a a level two, okay? That is because he did play the toughest front three, like, defenses you could find uh, off the start. And they were tough. He he produced against Kansas City, which is the lesser of the tougher two. So he played Kansas City week one, had your decent game there. Everyone's kind of pumped to watch that. And then he played Baltimore, which was not a great game for him at all. Played Steelers last week, saved your week with a touchdown. And now his schedule busts wide open. So that's why my worry level isn't isn't that high. The only thing I am worried about is that offense as a whole could be lower without DeAndre Hopkins. They won't be in the red zone as much. So, but I mean, you you I knew that when I drafted him, and I'm sure most people did. So, Donnie David Johnson, uh, we're talking like low double digit carries for two games in a row: thirty rush yards, twenty rush yards. I feel like a little bit of worry might be warranted for DJ, even though Nate makes some great points about the schedule opening up. So give me your worry meter scale one to 10. I would say like a two, Jake. I, you know, I'm not too much different than Nate. Uh, We actually, me and Nate own a team in uh, our father's league where, you know, we kind of play with them and a bunch of his buddies from work. We were actually talking about trying to go out and acquire David Johnson because we feel like his value is what we were going to offer out on probably. I don't remember what we were going to offer. Was, uh, so me and Donnie were looking at offering. So we have decent depth in that league. We were going to offer Antonio Gibson and Odell Beckham for David Johnson. Yes. And, and that being said, we have, uh, a, you know, our other two starting running backs are Josh Jacobs and uh, Joe Mixon. Jackson. So so I think, it, it, it you know, we are going to – we offered that to the uh, David Johnson owner, and we feel like – uh, we really are both high on kind of David Johnson. You look at the schedule coming up in Minnesota, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Green Bay, who are all you know below the average in, in run defense. I think this is a great spot for David Johnson. His first three weeks coming out the bat were just so tough. Like Nate said, the Pittsburgh obviously they held Mr. Saquon Barkley to you know less rushing yards than Ben Roethlisberger. Rest in peace. Yeah. So. You know, he had a tough early season go. David Johnson looked great the first week against Kansas City. I think that you need to have some patience with with, uh, David Johnson. I think he's going to be great. I would actually advise our listeners to maybe go throw an offer out for him as well. I agree. I agree. But but what if David Johnson went out there in week one and just used all the gas he had in the tank? And now he's sitting on E? (laughs) 
Listen, yeah, well, guess what? They're gonna run. Possible. They're gonna they're gonna run him. Uh, he's Bill O'Brien's gonna run him until he doesn't have any oil in the engine, and he's gonna blow him up because they traded Nuke Hopkins for him, and they don't have a choice but to try to prove them. I do he- have a little bit of a counterpoint. Is uh, actually playing my own devil's advocate. Is um, he is getting? I think he's getting high snap percentage. I want to say it's nine above ninety percent, but. Duke Johnson will come back and eat into those third downs a little bit. So that is yep. definitely something you want to look at. Yep. Jake, what's your worry level, by the way? Honestly, it's it's a little higher. Like maybe and it's because of my own expectations for David Johnson, because I thought he was going to be kind of like Todd Gurley and be that steal of the you know third to fourth round where you can still get a workhorse running back who's going to produce. I expect him to be a lot more active in the passing game, especially with the the injury issues with Fuller and Cooks. Uh, but at the end of the day, is he just getting game scripted out? Because, again, we're seeing low double-digit carries. Like I said, worry level four. I'm not going crazy or anything, but uh, I'm not it's happy. a little higher than us. I don't, I don't plug him into my lineup thinking, like, all right, he's going to go out there and give me 15 points, baby. Like, he might give you five. I don't know. Uh, it's so, definitely possible. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only reason. I'm going to keep him at a four. So I'm going to be honest, Nate. I, I wasn't sure why you wanted to include Deshaun Watson on this segment, but I was intrigued to hear your case for why one would be worried about him because personally, my worry meter is at like 0.25 out of Really? Five. It's that low? Deshaun Watson, yeah. Uh, Don't give my take. Well, his, he finished with 23 fantasy points, 17 fantasy points, 20 fantasy points. Uh, I mean, it's not up to his standards, but he doesn't suck by any means. But yeah, I'm curious what what made you think that uh, people might be worried about Deshaun Watson. Sure, sure. So uh, there's a couple things I'm looking at with Deshaun Watson where my worry level is a little bit higher. Honestly, my worry levels, you say 0.25. Mine's probably at a six. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. Whoa, really? It's at a six, which which just means to say that I would start someone who I think has more upside in front of him, a.k.a. I would start Joe Burrow over Deshaun Watson this week. Whoa, I like that. Okay. Um, so my reason being is I think Deshaun Watson had his whole career with the best wide receiver in football, and it bailed him out a ton, gave him a ton of upside. Now that, now that best wide receiver has left him for a better team, actually. But anyways... So now he's taking a step back and he's trying to figure out, well, why is my best play? Who's my best player? Oh, it's Will Fuller. Okay. Well, where's Will Fuller? Oh, he's off on the sideline getting stretched. His hamstrings getting stretched. Who do I got to throw to now? Oh, uh, Randall Cobb, who's like 80 years old and was good five years ago. I just don't, he doesn't have those weapons anymore, man. And I think that's something to worry about. And you're not going to be getting those high upside games that you drafted him uh, really high for. Donnie, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson are currently separated by one fantasy point on fantasypros.com. Don't tell me your worry meter's at a six for Deshaun Watson. It's not at a six, but it's at a five. Oh, look at me. I'm shaking in my little space boots. I mean, you have to be worried, Jake. You have to think about this, man. You have to look. Who does Deshaun Watson have to throw the ball to? Like Nate said, Will Fuller is perpetually hurt. Brandon Cooks, he's one hard hit away from probably being retired. I agree with a lot of what Nate said, though I will say this. 
The thing that Nate didn't talk about that you that needs to be brought up is Deshaun Watson knows how to get the ball into the end zone rushing side of things. Sure. When it gets down there, he could definitely run the ball into the end zone. So that gives his floor a little bit more than kind of uh, you know a little bit lower. Uh, so I think that he's a, still a solid, rock solid QB one the rest of the way. But he's not the top five guy that we've drafted him in years past. I think he's more of an eight to twelve guy than a seven to three guy that we've been accustomed to. He definitely needs to get those legs moving again. Absolutely. Okay, no arguments there. And that's all we got on this episode of Fantasy Football 101. Thank you guys for joining as always. Go follow D Hall's podcast, Near Falls with D Hall on Apple, on Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Do the same thing with this show. And Nate Hall, don't forget about him. Go follow him on Twitter. Nate, drop the Twitter handle. Uh, yep, sure. At the Hall Monitor, D-A-H-A-L-L-M-O-N-I-C-E-R, watching your halls. Yeah, I'm almost positive you spelled it wrong on like two of the past three episodes. So you want to lock that one in as a final answer? Final answer, locked in. And I'm at the Hall FF on Twitter. And you could also follow my Instagram for my uh, for my podcast at Near Falls with D Hall at Falls with D Hall on Twitter. Uh, I got a great. Uh, he's a head coach of a Division Three college in New Jersey coming up this Friday. Excellent, excellent interview. Dude is the typical loud Jersey guy. Super excited to release it. A lot of fun talking to him. So come check it out. We'll see you guys on Monday with our Week 5 Bold Predictions. See you later.